Good morning, audience. This is Don Kazee. I'm here with another episode of Conversations with Don. I'm talking with my good friend, Councilmember Jack Christie, sitting in his lavish office looking at all of the uh, mementos of over 20 years of public service. Now, before I came on, I just asked uh, Jack a question about what he feels or how he sees the politics that he's been involved in for over 20 years change, and now I'm going to let him answer. Well, it's culminated present day for many decades, I think. Uh, I was on the Spring Branch School Board in the 80s. I was on the State Board of Education in the 90s and then city council the past uh, eight years. So I've watched Washington work and not work. I've seen Austin work and not work. And city council, mayor and city council work and not work. And when it works, it's good. And that's federal, state, and, and local. But when it's in a morass of egos and money and priorities misguided like Washington, D.C., I, I think that um, it's discouraging. And I think the taxpayers are, are discouraging. Let me take you back to a course at the Kennedy School in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And it was four elected officials across the nation and, and um, uh, talked about leadership and such. There was a class where it had 437 metal filaments, 435, and then 100 senators, metal filaments. And it showed, let's say prior to Vietnam, how elected officials in Washington worked across political lines. The filaments were intermixed. Uh, there might have been red filaments and blue filaments, I, I don't know. And then they'd have independent filaments. And the instructor says, well, but here's Vietnam. Here's Richard Nixon. Here's Ronald Reagan. Here's Obama. Here's, and it just goes through the, the years, the bushes. The filaments started separating. And by the time the past four, six years plus, the filaments were separated. It was very little crossover dialogue, uh, very few John McCain's, there's few Tip O'Neill's, there's few Ronald Reagan's, and it just, it was discouraging because how are you going to legislate this country when you won't even talk to each other? That brings me up. I want to let me jump in right there. Uh, why do you think, given the example you just stated, what's behind the intransigence? That's mm. multifaceted, but but I tell you, if you take politics, if you take money out of politics and egos, what have you got we, left? We have, <laughs> we have the greatest democracy on the face of the earth, but it's starting to be entrenched. I watched um, President Clinton's health care bill. Hillary Clinton, and, and remember, I'm elected on a Republican ticket, but 
uh, um, what they call a, a normal Republican, not a crazy Republican. <laughs> and just, I'm fiscally conservative. Otherwise, I'm open to both parties and such. But I watched the Clinton health care bill. The night of passage of his bill, which eventually failed until Obamacare came in, Hillary could see where the problems were. It's all about money. It, they forgot about the patient in this country. Sure, everybody needs some kind of health care, but we had a disease care system. So I was there at 11 o'clock at night where the Ways and Means Committee were going to pass it or they weren't. And the lobbyist I was with uh, in, in my alternative care field, we had one and a half lobbyists, and I was the half trying to tell the chairman of the Ways and Means Committee, we can save you money by fixing people without drugs and surgery. He said, look across, Dr. Christie, look across the wall over there. See those 17 people? That's the hospital association. See those 23 over there? That's the drug companies. See the 17 over here? That's the American Medical Association. There was like nine lobbyists for each member of the Ways and Means Committee. And the money that went in for lobbying for or against that was unbelievable. You just can't count that much money that went into, uh, here's a check, please vote our way. Do you know the deciding factor of how that bill got endorsed by the American Medical Association? American Medical say, yeah, we'll, we'll endorse your bill if you give us ownership back in labs and imaging to where it added about a billion dollars to the bill, a billion dollars in income, and they endorsed it that night. That's the time where I, uh, and that's 21% of our budget nowadays is, is medical care. So you, you tie that into international relations, you tie that into to manufacturing and such, there's too much money being given to elected officials, not all of them, that ensure their re-election. And they want to be re-elected. And I, I think that comes from the White House to Congress, to Senate, to, and, and it's just a mess. It's less of a mess in Austin, but it's still a mess. City has its challenges, but there's a lot of good that the, the city's been doing. And that's what a futurist said. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want your questions answered, if you want to be served, don't look to Washington, D.C. Look to your local municipalities for service and, 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 and respect. And, and I can see that that's transitioned that way, and it's, it's a shame. But... Well, I, I, I want to get to that, but I want to go somewhere else first. Okay. Uh, Charles Cook of the Cook Brothers died recently. Yes, sir. And uh, he has been credited with, wrongly or rightly, depending upon your political positioning, mm -hmm. being one of the either most positive or most negative influences in the cycle of American politics in the last decade or so by virtue of their wealth. So my question is, 
number one, how do you take the money out of the cycle? And two, is that the fix? Is, is it a fix that is simply Republican or Democratic? Or where do you start? Right. Uh, money is just one factor. It's a big factor. But remember back 10 years ago, it was a McCain-Feingold finance reform bill. Mm -hmm. So it's a Democrat and Republican saying, you've got to get the money out of here. And, um, and I, I watched through the Bush administration and, and different that I knew the players. And not every politician is impressed with a half a million dollars. But, but access to the president, it may cost you a half million dollars. So if half of them, money makes a difference, we've got to get money out of the, out of the system. And so there was, across the aisle, they worked together. Back in the Reagan administration, you know, he would sit down with Tip O'Neill, they'd have a beer and, and, and laugh, and, and, and I, I read his diary, Reagan's diary, after he had lunch with Tip O'Neill, and, and he'd go to Nancy Reagan, and he'd, he'd, he would confide in her, and he says, he says Nancy, that, that is a good man, but he really believes in what he, so he was, he was saying he really believes in his liberal causes, but he acknowledged that he had common ground, that he was a good man. Those days are gone. I, I, I just, you know, uh, George W. Bush tried to incorporate no child left behind in education. It worked in Austin. I was in that administration at that time. We didn't want to leave one child behind but it didn't work in Washington. He would bring Democrats there, Republicans, and they wouldn't talk to each other. Ted Kennedy would help, um, but uh, you know, some of those people are gone, whether, yeah. it's, whether it's John McCain or Ted Kennedy or Tip O'Neill. You know, it's a shame, but we've got to get back to that. So, so as for another solution, yes, here, go ahead, here's go another ahead. solution mm -hmm. to your audience, to everybody you speak with, they've got to vote. You know, 26% vote for the mayor and city council of this city. That's embarrassing. It's where the first time the Iraqis got to vote after Saddam Hussein, something like 96% voted, even with the threat of bombs. You know, where is the, the passion again to, to be part of the, the, the election process? And to... To look to your judges and, and other other people and see what kind of people they are, but if we had ninety percent, six percent voting in a, in a presidential election, we we would have winners up there and not losers. Because Abraham Lincoln said, "I believe in the American voter, and I believe they'll eventually get it right. If they get it wrong, just wait four four years and they can fix it." But he knew that if you had the American voter and talk to them, whether it's TV nowadays or, or just a stump speech that Lincoln would give. The American voter, we're, we're good people. 90% we're good people and we'll put good people in there. They're not voting. How do you put that up against the idea that if you stop the average individual walking outside that window and ask them their impression of politics and politicians, 
The majority of them, according to surveys, would say they believe they're all corrupt. How do you how, how do you fix that? In, in the psychology books, uh, that's called hasty generalization. It, just because you see a bunch of them corrupt doesn't mean they're all corrupt. You find good people that shoot straight with you, that they have a record of telling the truth, and you just support them. And that and that's the positive, like the Koch brothers. They were extreme and. In one area, and I've had at least three billionaires as patients, and uh, um, them or their family members. And I noticed, except for one of them, that where can I do good with my money? And, and Bill Gates wasn't a, a patient, but but he and his wife have a review board. How can we help this country in education and such? And they hold people accountable. Well, the Koch brothers. They took some good stands, and some of it was educating the, the population on who your elected officials are. Now, some of them, they took some extreme stands that I, I don't even agree with, but they're at least doing something with their money to educate the voter, and that, that's the key. And when you get a candidate that'll go to every small town in America and, and talk to the people direct, you know, they can tell whether they can believe in you and what you're what you've stood for in the past, but finding common ground with the voter is, is paramount. Let me ask you about something. Uh, Congressman O'Rourke, yes, now sir. presidential candidate O'Rourke, yes, made a lot in his commercial messaging about going to every 254 counties, and he did what you just said. He lost. Why? He almost won, though. Yeah, you know, and 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 Ted Cruz is a friend of mine, but he Beto outworked Ted Cruz, and he talked to the people, and 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 you know I I I, th I admire his his campaign, but I watched George W. Bush in 2000 election. I was in Iowa when he won his first caucus or primary. That guy would work 18 hours a day, but Al Gore was working just as hard. So it's a marathon race, and I admire people that do that. And whether it's Democratic or Republican, you know, stand up to the hard questions. Well, Mr. Uh, Mr. O'Rourke, do, do you believe in a balanced budget? Well, you know, how do you balance it when you're offering Medicare for all or, or something like that? And if they can answer it properly, you know, that's, that's a good candidate. Whether it's a Democrat or Republican, and uh, we need more public servants and less politicians. Mm. Oh, that's good. I like that. Let me ask you about Citizens United. I'm not familiar enough, so go ahead. But I'm not familiar enough with if that's an organization. It, it is. Okay. It is an organization that is credited with um, funneling a lot of what the pundits like to refer to as dark money into the campaign process. Right. And there's a lot of movement in some parts about legislation to uh, uh, get rid of them, to ban them in certain states, that sort of thing. My question is not so much about them as it is about what are the constructive steps that have to happen to get the money that you say needs to be taken out of politics, out of politics. What has to happen to make that happen? 
What do we have to do uh, to get a, that? Yeah, that's a tough question. Um, what would I do? I, I, I think I would have, you got to balance freedom of speech versus money in politics. And, and, and you know, um, so I don't, I, I guess I don't have the answer to that. And, and anything that's called dark money, you, you can say anything you want. And, and it isn't countered until after the election. And so negative damage, uh, especially if it's false, uh, I, don't, I don't like that. Mm -hmm. I, re I really don't. But, but I can't tell the Koch brothers or Bill Gates or Mark Zuckerberg, that they can't get involved in the political process. Um, so there's a balance between free speech and such. Same way with gun rights. I mean... Uh, well, that's where I'm going next, yeah. so go ahead. Well, there, there's some where we've got to have a discussion because, um, you know, the right to own, own guns is fine, but at some point... Do you need bazookas and, 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 and machine guns <laughs> to shoot a deer? And, and I, just, I just, there's some limits to, to that. So maybe that's for the Supreme Court to decide or such, but something's got to be done because more guns are not the answers. And, and you're talking to somebody that has a sharpshooter medal in boot camp, and I don't even own a gun, but more guns are not the answer, and especially the, uh, the high velocity and, and the, um, I read the horrible a, weapons that are out there. I read an editorial in, uh, I think it was Washington Post, where someone said a comment I thought was great. He says, I've never met a duck that did anything that warranted being shot by an AR-15. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> so, that's right. And we got better people. But let, Don, let me, let me tell you that a discussion that they're not having. Okay. Everybody, and remember, I'm a, in the alternative field, less, less drugs, less surgery, maintaining health, preventing disease and such. So I, I've had over 20,000 patients and that's about 400,000 visits and I never recommended an aspirin to any of them. Some of them took ibuprofen and aspirin on their own, or such, but there are natural ways of getting rid of pain without opioids and uh, anti-inflammatories and too many antibiotics and such. For those who don't know, tell my audience what your specialty is. I, I'm a chiropractic physician. So we have the same pre-med as, as, as medicine. And we have four years of specialty in, in, in nutrition, exercise physiology, uh, the spine, and fixing the nervous system to where it can heal itself. So we, we keep people out of the surgeon's office, and they don't like that. And we keep them out of the, the drug culture, that this country is, is, is over-medicated, and there's no country in the world that takes as many pills. So think about it, and you go research it. Ever since 9-11, Columbine, Florida, New York, El Paso, Dayton, there's drugs in their system. Now, page two, column three, well, he was off his medication. The lady that drowned her kids in Clear Lake in the bathtub, 
the attorney's quote, and I'd question him on this. He had three psychiatrists testify. One said she didn't have enough medication. One said she had too much medication. Third one said she didn't have the right medication. You look at the side effects of every one of those drugs, and the 9-11 terrorists took something, every one of them, before they crashed into the buildings and, 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 and destroyed 3,000 lives. In the same way, the police, uh, the uh, veteran that shot a policeman on Derry Ashford Road, just all of them, page two, column three, well, he was off his medication, so withdrawal symptoms. Well, he, he, he was taking Adderall, Zoloft. Um, they give the soldiers coming back from the Middle East psychotic drugs. Two major side effects on every one of them. Violent outbursts and suicide tendencies. Where is the anger against the drug companies? Oh, they had mental health problems. Well, of course they did. Their brains were fried. And you look at, and, and if you don't believe me, there's Michael Jackson, John Candy, Prince, Elvis Presley. You, you could go on for hours. They all died of legal and illegal drugs. And that's where you're getting the opioid lawsuit that um, we need to get these people off drugs. Every mass shooting. Dayton, the guy had three or four drugs in his system. Look at the pictures in the paper when they show the, the person that killed 12 people. You look at their eyes. Mm -hmm. they are, their brain is fried. They are not normal human beings that God creates a miracle as a baby. You're not born with insanity and paranoid schizophrenia and violent outbursts and such. We've got to take less pills in this country. But research it. Mm -hmm, they mm -hmm. say, no, Dr. Christie, you're crazy. No. You look in those systems, you're not born to kill and blow away people and, 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 and kill people, you know, so. Okay, that, that, that gives me um, my next area that I want to get into so we're going to bring this full circle. You've been an individual who, as we were talking before we went live, been around the world, been in the company of kings, queens, presidents, potentates. You've seen firsthand what it takes to lead. Of the current crop that you see today, of the people that are out there today, who gets it? Ooh, very good question. And, and I'm having a privilege. I, I went to the Republican debates at University of Houston. I saw the, their final eight uh, three years ago. And I, I had the privilege of going to the Democratic debate coming up here. And um, uh, so your question is, even outside the candidate, who, who are... Um, I wish that there were another eight challenging in the Republican primary because I think three years ago they had they had some pretty good candidates, mm -hmm. you know. And I, I like Bush, I like uh, Mario um, uh, Rubio. Rubio, mm -hmm. I like Kasich, very smart, caring guy. Read his book. 
Uh, I read the book on uh, the president, uh, CEO of uh, Starbucks. He wrote Howard a book. Schultz. And Schultz was, is going to be an independent, or he should be. It's a very good book. Mm. You know, and, and yeah, he cares about budget deficits. Ross, Ross Perot, he wasn't a politician, and that's where he messed, messed up. He didn't understand. But he, he, he wanted a balanced budget, and I thought he was pretty good. I think Mitt Romney is a good man. Um, so on the Democrat side, I think they've got four or five good candidates that um, could run this country. So I'm really bipartisan. I just want good people. No, 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 no. You're not going to get away that easy. If you had to say, I'm comfortable with this guy walking into the Oval, or this woman walking into the Oval Office in November of 2020. Who would it be? I'm not ready. I'm not ready for that. And I usually don't tell who I voted for or didn't vote at all. <laughs> just, just remember that. I'm I just that, asking I who you're comfortable with. I'm just saying there's a, there's a good handful of people that can do it, and whether they're presently in politics or not. But, uh, um, you know, I jokingly, somebody... T asked me yesterday, a um, lady from India, um, and says, oh, well, it's just, you can't just walk in there and not have any experience as such. And says, you know, like Oprah Winfrey or said, no. I mean, Ronald Reagan was like, he was just an actor, but he would hire the right people that followed his philosophy. I think Oprah would follow her philosophy, which is goodness and love and kindness and, you know, and, and just hire the right people to balance the budget. You mean my advisor says you got to cut 10% out of all the departments in Washington, D.C. to buy? Let's do it. The American people can cut 10% out of their budget. Why can't the government cut 10 And all of a sudden, we have a balanced budget and we're the strongest economy in the world, and we don't have to worry about China or Russia or anything. The economy is so strong. We've got enough military, the best military in the world. We don't need more missiles and, and weapons system. Just let's get a strong economy where the people are employed and they're happy and they're being paid well. So I'm looking even outside that if you get a good, honest leader that people listen to, I don't care what party they're from. But can we get back to that? We, we, I think we, we have to. We have no choice. <laughs> the culture is so toxic, though, Jack. I know. I mean, how, how do we get back to that? Pendulum may have to swing to the point of where you're embarrassed of what's going on in this country. But, but there are other countries that they, they fist fight in their, their congressional dele delegation. Says, We're not at that point yet. But, you know, this world was working together pretty well. But now we're seeing hatred and distrust, and, and we've got to uh, look at the entire world as our friend instead of our enemy. Hold firm on the on the ones that are doing cybersecurity against us, stealing our secrets, uh, unfair trade practices. But you get the rest of the world like Desert Storm. We had 26 countries not only helping us topple a dictator that just took over, because he could, took over Kuwait. We had 26 countries not only helping us pay for the war, but helping us topple and give that country back to, 
to a country uh, like Kuwait. So it can be done, but the pendulum, man, it's it's swinging and is is a point where enough is enough. Let me let me finish on this. Let's sure. let's move this back to local. Jack Christie walks into the mayor's office in November. What's the first thing he does? In November, before the runoff, <laughs> run I think there's going to be a runoff. But, mm -hmm. Well, it's like the previous mayor. She, she asked me in seven and a half years ago, what are your goals? And uh, and very liberal Democrat, and I'm fiscal conservative, and we found common ground. And, and I've accomplished all those goals. Um, I think that... Uh, we did a lot on homelessness in, in that administration, um, took it from 10,000 to 3,700. This administration, if, if, if mayor did nothing but solve the pension crisis, he cut this with the help of city council voting with them, but he cut our $8 billion debt to $4 billion and working on another $2 billion to where this is financially sound. There's a lot of things. And six or seven times I, I crossed with them publicly, but with a very diverse city council. We're getting along and making great strides in spite of a revenue cap. Uh, we just today started lowering taxes again, but we have a revenue cap. So if I walked in that office today, and I've, what I've done, I mean, he always responds to my... Um, uh, emails and uh, verbal questions and never hesitates. I just said, I think you misunderstood okay. my question. Ask it harder. My, my question was Jack Christie walks into the mayor's office as mayor. Oh, as mayor. Yeah. Oh, 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 I see. <laughs> What's the first thing Jack Christie does when he sits down in the Ooh, mayor's chair? That's a good question. Uh, uh, <laughs> Jimmy Christmas. <laughs> I, I'd work on the teamwork. We have a very diverse city council, and honeymoons are over, but no bridges have been totally burned. I'd go one-on-one -on -one with, with all council members, and we still have differences, but I'd find common ground. So teamwork, and I'd hire directors, which I think most, most of them that we have now are very good, but I would have directors, I says, you know, you're going to get along. I don't care what you think. I say, you get along, we're going to make the most efficient use of, of the taxpayer's dollars because if it wasn't for the taxpayer, we would not have the city we have today. But they don't want it wasted. And then I'd work on waste uh, because there's a, in any big bureaucracy, there's waste. So uh, that's a tough question, but... Um, uh, uh, thank you for even considering... Uh, Mayor Christie, but but no, I I, uh, I love my job and and I'm gonna, I've got purpose. But you're walking away from it. No, I'm not. No, I'm, I, I, actually, I have a lunch today. I had two lunches last week, and uh, there, people want me to do things, and and uh, and I I like big challenges. So I I don't know. I have not said yes to anything yet. I'll, you know, I'm looking for a scoop now. Gonna give me a scoop? Scoop? No. <laughs> Um, no, uh, no, I, I love big challenges, but I just don't, 
look for an office just to have an office. Mm. I've been in three elected positions for 22 years and <clears throat> got perfect attendance in all 22 years, but uh, I don't see a challenge that I'm passionate about yet. But I'll go to these lunches with these people that, that um, and you know all of them, that they're, they're looking for something to have me do. But I'm term limited. I am tickled pink on the eight years. I, I don't have any regrets. Yeah, maybe a couple of comments I, <laughs> I regret. But I just think I'm blessed to be in this office for the eight years. I just It's a great city, and it's only going to be better. But voters, please vote and meet the candidate that wants their position. Jack, thank you. <laughs> you bet, Don. I appreciate it. Well, excellent questions. You.